ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now? What have I become? My sweetest friend. Everyone I know goes away in the end. And you could have it all. My empire of dirt. I will let you down. I will make you hurt. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Clemson has not eclipsed 19 points in regulation against an FBS opponent. Clemson is four and three, and life has been better. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Nick. This is our pit recap show, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host, Ben. Ben, not a great game, not a great result, not a great season. Your thoughts? Well, I've got good news for Tigers fans, and that is that I figured out what the problem is. You know, I've rewatched, you know, all the all the game film. I've crunched the numbers. I've analyzed the metrics. I've even given it the eye test. And it turns out the problem is our offense sucks. Oh. I think the problem is we let Terry Bowden walk away. Blame it on a Bowden. <laughs> when in doubt, blame it on a Bowden. <laughs> um We'll get to the Badens in a minute, but uh, Ben, we're not going to beat the same dead horse that we have now for what seven weeks coming into the season. Um, I think you know what what is ailing this team is pretty obvious, and it it certainly still is a bummer because this has continued to be an excellent defensive season. Yeah, Pitt scored twenty points on offense against Clemson. I still think a lot of that was in the second half when the defense's legs were done. Time of possession was somewhat balanced until the latter part of the fourth quarter. Uh, but I, I don't know, you, you know, just the number of guys that um, have been out on that defense starting to take its toll. I'm pretty happy for one that we didn't see more injuries in this game than we did against Pitt. Uh, tough road environment, you know, tough challenge. Pitt was a ranked team. I think they're deserving of probably a higher ranking than 23rd coming into last week. Um, they've definitely moved up in the AP poll. It's just so funny because, like, what is Clemson, you know, Pitt, the announcers, everybody was treating it as if we were, you know, still a, a playoff contender, you know, king of the hill ACC team. But it, it's almost like they use Clemson how they want to. We're, we're still already or we're still Clemson was not, you know, we were like the first team getting other votes, 26 in the country, if you want to call it that after the Syracuse win. Um, I don't know. Just I'm not saying there's a lack of respect for Clemson or that any more was due, but uh, it, it sure did seem like everybody's treating it like they beat a top five team when we sure know that Clemson's not that. No, not even close. And the, I mean, the frustrating part is, um, you know, the defense is a championship caliber defense, you know, even with a lot of the injuries. Um, it was great to see Tyler Davis back in this game. Um, Andrew Booth back on the field. 
And I mean, yeah, they gave up 20 points, but that's 20 points. <laughs> like, right. You should, you should be, should be fine. I mean, right? come on past Clemson teams over the past, you know, six years, six, seven years that that's not a problem for him. Uh, but it is this year because the offense is that broken and yes, the injuries that have mounted on this team is just truly incredible when you go down and look at the list. Um, and for that to happen in the same year where even our best guys on offense are struggling and then they start dropping like flies, like it, it compounds that. And I mean, just look, look who we ran out on the field at the starting wide receiver positions on, on Saturday, right? Adju Adju is not ready yet. Bo Collins, still a raw, true freshman. I think Will Brown was in there in like the second series of the game. And I mean, kudos to him. He actually looked okay. He had a great first down conversion. Um, He looked damn near Renfro-esque on that one. Um, But you're right. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that. um, Again, you said it last week, like all due respect to Will Brown. It's great for what he's been able to do and get in the role he's been able to carve out on his team, but for him to be, you know, really in the the first part of the two deep at the slot position speaks volumes to what's happened with the talent on this team. Yeah, it ain't good. Um, it's just been a horrible season. Um, but you know, even injuries aside, there's something fundamentally wrong with this offense. And, you know, we speculated about it after, whatever the NC state loss, I believe earlier on in the season, maybe even after the Georgia tech loss or win close win um, that there has to be shakeup on this offensive coaching staff. And I think, I mean, the easy, the easy answer and what everybody's going to say is Tony Elliott. Right. Um, but I think you have to look the two position groups in my mind that have been the worst is the offensive line. Now, granted, you know, they've had their injury issues too, but they weren't great last year. Um, and so the development has been a problem there. Yeah, we got a bunch of young guys, but at this point, can we trust that they're going to be developed under this coaching staff? Not really. Um, and Ben, I, I know there's, I know we're going to build a more position groups here, but just talking about the offensive line for a minute. Yes, Clemson won two natties. No, they did not have very many NFL caliber guys in those offensive lines. Still got it done. That's great. But I, I just feel like a, a program that, is a top five, top four, top three, you know, program in the country should be able to do better at that position. Like we we should almost have higher standards for the caliber of of offensive line talent. I think recruiting has been up in that position. We've have had some injuries from young guys that I expect would have seen the field by this point. And we're going to get two more guys coming in next year that are currently not playing Tristan lay. And uh, is it uh, not Tim Linthicum, but Ryan Linthicum, Ryan Linthicum, uh, from Virginia, you know, those, those two guys are highly recruited at their position, like top one or two in their classes and uh, going to be, you know, the future's looking a little bit better at that position. I think just, you have to continue to continue to Im- improve in that area. And I think it is a talent question, but it's, it's not just like high level talent. It's the numbers as well. And um, I, I do think there may be an opportunity for a coaching staff revamp in that regard as well. Just um, kind of, why, why haven't we been able to get more out of the talent that we've gotten in the last one to two years? Yeah, exactly. And there have been some setbacks due to injury this year, but 
Um, I, I think what's been exposed, what's obviously been exposed this year is, you know, how much playmakers like Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne and, you know, Mike Williams, T Higgins, um, it was all those dominant wide receivers, how much they masked and covered up a lot of our weaknesses elsewhere. Um, and now when you don't have that same level of talent out on the field and you get exposed, it starts in the trenches. Uh, so we, you know, we talked about that and how I think change needs to, to happen there. And then also the wide receiver position, you know, we still got the star power out there and it's not like when Joe and Gata, um, and Frank Latson and EJ Williams were out there and, and, you know, obviously Justin Ross, that they were playing much better than the guys that ran out there against Pitt on Saturday night. They have it. They've an inability to block and, and it almost looks like a lack of willingness to block and effort. Um, but, you know, poor technique, all of that, it really shuts down a lot. What, a lot of what we can do in offense. And then you throw in there all the drop passes. I mean, Jesus Christ. Uh, and yeah, it's Justin Ross too. You know, it's not, it's not, I would like, say Ben, it's, it's drops, but it's also going up and taking the ball away. And there were a few, I mean, we, we texted throughout the game, a few things where you're like, these are borderline pass interference calls. I think there's, if there's a little more effort on the play to go and get those contested balls, like you might've gotten a flag or you might've caught the football. Yeah. There's no physicality in that group. Um, I mean, look at the, uh, the DJ's first interception where Justin Rostin come back and fight for the ball. Um, and listen, this is not to put everything on everybody else, not on DJ. DJ has his flaws, certainly. But at least I've been able to see improvement in DJ throughout the season. I could not say that about the wide, wide receiver position. We kind of have seen it on the offensive line. We started to run the ball a lot better. And for some reason, Tony Elliott is freaking allergic to that when it's going well for us. Yeah. Um, I'd say that Ben is perhaps less about development and improvement from the individuals and more about combination of guys and like finding the, the right combo. Probably a little bit of both, but, but there has been, you know, improvement like unit improvement. You're right. Yeah. For there, sure. there has been unit improvement. The pass protection has been a little bit better. The running game has, has gotten going better. There's still critical, critical mistakes on everybody on the offense that just blows up drives and we can't afford to make those mistakes because we're not good enough. Um, yeah. I mean, so- when you, when you do think of Dabo mentioned, and I think he kind of misused the phrase, but Clemson has no margin for error on offense. Like when mistakes do happen, it, it can be catastrophic for the game. Um, right. The interception shovel pass and the drop touchdown, like right there, 14 point swing. That's like 14 points away from us, potentially, you know, 14 in their favor. Um, I, I guess those in directly relates to touchdowns, but um, in any event, you know, that is a 14 point swing on those two plays, assuming Shipley runs it in that that's huge. Like that, that changes the complexion of this game. Uh, who knows what Pitt does? I think by that point, Pickett had not really gotten it, gotten it going on offense. I'm sure he still would have done, you know, opened it up a little bit and found his, his yards and that kind of thing down the stretch. But um, yeah, it's just, you know, don't want to keep going back to the few plays here and there, but a, a couple key moments early on in this game definitely could have changed the, the direction of the, of the outcome. And it, uh, 
it, it sucks that it's mental lapses. That's really what's been leading to this. And it's the same thing. It's a broken record. You know, it's groundhog day, the same thing over and over and over again. And that's why you have to shake up the coaching staff. That's on the coaches. Um, and, and I think Dabo and Tony are finally to the point where they realize the offense is not good. You know, we still get uh, one or two plays here, one or two plays there, but at least they've come to terms with the fact that they are apparently not going to get that fixed. They've publicly done that. I mean, I, I know what you're saying, Ben. I agree. Like their, their comments are now jiving with things we've been saying for weeks. Pretty sure they, they recognize that before. I think it is just a matter of it. They've been building the kind of media. I don't know what you want to call it. Like the case throughout the year. And if they were acknowledging offensive struggles, like after NC state in the way that they are today, they're, you know, there were three games in between where they could have turned things around and I'm sure they were trying stuff. I just, it, it does make you question a few things like that. They are, they are starting to acknowledge it in the right ways. That's good. So Ben, one of the things we saw in the game that was interesting was obviously coming out of this, out of the first half into the second half, ineffective series from DJ uh, pick six thrown. And then we saw him sit and they brought in Tyson Pumachan. Pumachan came in, made a couple plays. What's interesting is they kind of ran the ball right away. Um, at the time, I was like, why bring Pumachan in and not kind of flex his skill set? They actually ran him out there for a second series. And I thought it was a good change of pace. It was a good decision at the time. Maybe clear DJ's head a little bit and allow him to come right back in. The second series was not ideal. There was like a speed option play, but I, I more so wanted to get your take on that shuffle move from the, from the coaching staff. Do you think it was good for one series instead of two, or would you have stuck with DJ the whole time? I think I would have stuck with DJ. I thought it was knee jerk by the coaching staff, unless they saw something um, where something was in his head and they just needed to let him sit over there and clear it after that, that shuffle pass pick six, the irony in that, by the way, um, considering who we were playing. Um, yeah. And for all the, fans clamoring for Tyson Pumachan to get in there and then maybe he should like have more consideration with starting moving forward. Did you see him play? Like he's not the answer. Like we just got to hope DJ gets better and lives up to his potential. Like Tyson, you know, the, the fact that he came back so quick um, from that Achilles tail uh, tear, sorry. And he was available in the first game of the year. Um, absolutely amazing. And there was, you know, we had some, a couple little, moments of hope there with him under center, but he ended up like three to seven passing the ball. Um, he doesn't look a hundred percent back there for that Achilles, as far as his kind of speed and burst goes. So I don't know. I mean, I know why the coaches did it. It was a very convenient moment uh, to make that switch. If you were going to um, just because the egregiousness of the error of that play by DJ. Um, but ultimately did it get us any closer to winning the game? I mean, maybe because DJ came out and let a touchdown drive after that. So maybe it, you know, lit a fire under him. But I mean, all in all, at the end of the day, like, I don't, I don't think that's your answer at quarterback. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I was good with one series, let DJ cool off a little bit. But if the play calling was going to be what it was going to be with Pumachan, like, I don't think the second series was justified. We got three points out of the first one. That was, those were critical points in the game. You mentioned what DJ did after that. Would love to see what he could do with an extra series of offense uh, with our much superior quarterback. I agree with everything you said. Tyson, unfortunately, is not the answer of the future at quarterback. You know, even if 
craziness plays out in this off season, I don't really see him being the day one starter next season at all. So um, it really is. Yeah. Really is DJ's team. I mean, the only thing that different that he brings to the table, that's an advantage over DJ is that he is a better runner, but he's not a more skilled passer. And that's, you know, saying a lot considering DJ isn't nearly there yet being a passer either, but. And I, I still question Ben, like Pumachan did run a little bit, but he, he looked to have a little bit of trepidation. Um, and I thought he was popped with, you could probably call it targeting on two guys at the end of that first series. Uh, maybe it was the second series. Either way, Pumachan took a pop that was not reviewed at all for targeting, but he still did not look fully 100% comfortable running. And I totally get that guys coming back from injuries, um, you know, not being sure footed. And we've already mentioned the turf at Heinz field. True. Cra- like not a great situation for a guy with an Achilles rupture to be out there. Um, you're actually more prone Ben, to rupture your other Achilles than you are the, the one that you, you already did because you're favoring the one. Yeah. It's a compensation yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, no, I, I think we're both on the same page. Like this is DJ's team. He needs the reps. He needs the, the drives and the series out there to continue to build his confidence, continue to build pocket presence and chemistry with the receivers and like improving that release. You know, I, I did want to say like one last comment on DJ. It, it did like he was a two sport athlete, Ben, and he could be D one in baseball. Like, is there a little bit of a baseball windup? He's a pitcher, a little bit of a baseball windup to his football windup that isn't necessarily doing him any favors here. Well, now you have me critiquing his baseball um, capacity. I don't know. I haven't seen him play a lot of ball. Russell Wilson seems to do just fine. That's true. <laughs> that's a good comparison, but that's all I got for you. <laughs> okay. One, one more thing to look at, uh, but let's move on. There's been a lot of questions and Will Shipley actually addressed that in some press comments today about a lack of leadership on the offensive side. And he's, he hopes to step into that alpha position. I think, I mean, I, I heard and read a couple of clips from former quarterbacks. Um, I think the one with Trent Dilfer is the most public that's made the rounds. That was more critical of the Clemson coaching staff and not developing DJ, not developing Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun saying they got worse coming to Clemson. Don't know that I agree with all of that. Um, I think Streeter's done a fine job, maybe not the most exceptional job in the world, but we don't know the tendencies that those quarterbacks had that Streeter coached out of them. Like that's a thing that is impossible for anyone to know other than, you know, the quarterbacks and, and those guys and the offense coordinator. Um, so I don't know that anyone here is calling for Streeter's head the way that, uh, Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer is. <laughs> yeah. And Trent Dilfer, he is the lookup game manager quarterback in the dictionary. That's Trent Dilfer, but Baltimore Ravens, 2001 Super Bowl team. He was their quarterback. Respect the guy. He's accomplished. He had a long career in the league. He's a good quarterback. He's a good football mind, whatever, but sorry if I'm not going to take like all the football words that he speaks as gospel. Um, but some of the other, I watched another clip making the rounds and they were questioning kind of DJ's heart, looking at some of the comments he made. And in the post game, DJ's comments were like, look, if Tyson gets his shot and he proves it and he's good, I take my hat off to him. I, you know, support my teammate. I want the best for him. And then they talked about the shovel pass interception. He's like, Hey, that guy made a great play. Like kudos to him. A lot of that DJ stuff is like coach speak. He's media trained. He's been media trained since he's a freshman in high school. Like 
I don't believe personally that DJ has no competitive streak in him. Maybe he is not like the, the rah, rah killer leader of men that everyone believes that every quarterback needs to be, but DJ is super talented. I think he's devoted himself to improvement this year and we're seeing that and um, love it or not. Like he's our guy right now. So I'm, I choose to be supportive of DJ and um, I don't put all this on his, on his shoulders either. No. And there's, still certainly a lot of things that he's not good at and that he desperately needs to improve upon, but he's also made a lot of strides this year. Um, even in this game, he, his pocket presence has become a lot better. Um, knowing when to pull, pull the ball and run um, has been better. Um, his footwork's been a little bit better. He had better touch on, on a few, you know, deep balls in this game. Um, but that ball the- to Shipley was perfect, Ben. Like, yeah. I don't know that there's, there's, no amount of air he could have put under that that would have helped Shipley focus and catch that ball. You know, if you take all the drops away or most of the drops this season, it's a completely different story. And like, 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 like I said about his two games last year, it's also about the team around him. If the offensive line is better than it was last year and the wide receivers are um, on par, you know, with what they were last year, which, you know, in hindsight was a stretch, that was going to be the case. I think we expected too much out of Justin Ross coming back. And we really, uh, the other guys, we really talk about their upside a lot, but we don't see a lot of that production on the field. Um, I think it's a different, a different story. One, a lot more plays are being made. And two, I think that helps DJ's confidence. Now, he's not anywhere near the, the perfect quarterback. Um, Trevor Lawrence, the John, John Watson, came in with intangibles that he just doesn't have. He's a big body quarterback with a huge arm and, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it probably is, is, is recruiting rankings are based on that stature alone. Um, it's a different animal, though, when you get into college football and you're, you know, playing at Clemson, who coming into this season was, um, you know, expected to go back to their seventh straight college football playoff. And, it, you know, it, it hasn't worked out. So, you know, you're under a brighter light here. And so the criticism is going to be, um, you know, stronger. And, and then I, I do. Yeah, tons for him to improve on. Like he's he's very he's still slow in his reads. He's slow getting the ball out. Why we start with the stupid screen pass on the first play of the game that never works for two reasons: our wide receivers can't block, and he's too slow getting that ball out. Um, and it was kind of the same thing on that shuffle pass that went for the pick six. It was such a slow developing play, and so he certainly needs to get better at that. He needs to be quicker with his reads. He needs to be quicker with getting the ball out. He needs the to sell um, the RPO better. Um, he needs to do a lot of stuff better, but it's not all on him. And um, I, I think it's just, it's, it's a whole offensive thing. I mean, the only bright spot really this year has been the running backs, which I don't think we've given enough credit to, but you know, the three guys that are left, you know, they've looked great. Great to yeah. get Will Shipley back. He only missed two games. He had like a fractured tibia. Yeah, it's a little bit crazy that it was that it was like a ankle tibia, like lower leg uh, situation when you saw how how involved the knee was on that play against NC State. So, um, yeah, knock on wood, he only missed two games plus the bye week. You know that he was able to come back and he looked. I mean, he wasn't out there making all kinds of jukes and you know agility based moves, but um, touch wood that he continues to be healthy and improve. Um, I wanted to go back a little bit, Ben, to the coaching question and and certainly with DJ. Um, you know, if you do, if you do, I, I think what you're talking about is offensive line coach and wide receiver coach change. 
curious what you, what form you think that will take knowing Dabo's comments and look Dabo after this, the seventh game of the season, he defended not making any coaching changes. Like he, he said he would not, even if he is planning that and he's already, you know, figured it all out and he's going to move on from any of these guys. He is not going to tell us that, that we still have open recruiting battles. You know, there's season left to play. These guys can prove themselves and turn it around. And also Dabo wants to shop, you know, if he is kind of finding out the next move, he's going to do so in private and in secret and like make moves. Like we get it. Um, so don't expect any of his, like, don't get all bent out of shape. If his comments say he's not considering any coaching changes, I'm sure that he is. Um, so with that said, ben, with the, same thing with the transfer portal, transfer portal, like, because all it does is undermine his current teammate team and the players on the team. And there's, and, nothing he can, and there's nothing he can do about it. Now you can't go to the portal right now. So hell, I'm even tired of the reporters asking the damn question. There's nothing he can do about it right now. Um, and it's not going to fix yeah. this season. And the same thing with the coaching staff. He's, he's not going to, he's not going to fire guys in the, in the middle of the year. It's just not going to happen. I think we could score zero points against FSU and Louisville. We better not score zero against UConn. Maybe he would make some moves after that, but I think we could do that and he would still stick by his guys. Like that's just how, how it's going to be. But I did want to ask you like creative ideas, whatever it is, like we're here, we're not, you know, we're diagnosing, we're like prognosticating if it was up to us, what I would think about, and I don't, I mean, I, Ben, I'm, I'm thinking about like Dabo, could he spend a little bit more time with the receivers? And is there a world where they do bring in a new coach? Yeah. Maybe that guy does coach receivers. Like, do you, do you want a receiver specialist or do you want to introduce somebody that's a little bit more like a passing game coordinator? You know, Joe Brady played that role famously for LSU. Maybe that's someone that is a little bit more involved in the play calling, possibly with quarterbacks, possibly with wide receivers. Dabo's obviously got that background. He played that role under Tommy Bowden. Obviously, Jeff Scott took that over, but there's some kind of moves you can make on this, this offense. And let's say he doesn't want to move on, you know, holistically from Tyler Grisham. Grisham could be moved into a different role holistically with this team too. You know, make him an analyst, make him quality control, whatever it is. I think there's a world in which Grisham's early in his career. He may need to learn the ropes a little bit more being part of a collegiate coaching staff maybe wide receiver coach was too much too soon. We hope that's not the case for CJ Spiller. Uh, but I think there are some different moves you can make. What do you think about them making a different type of wide receiver coach passing game coordinator type move? Um, I want, I would like to have him bring somebody in that moves us away from being a finesse team. Um, and where you see guys, you know, wide receivers that are more than just their six, six frames. I'd rather have a six, Oh, or six, two guy, uh, somebody like Cornell Powell, um, that gets in there, mixes it up, isn't afraid to block and is a physical presence. And then also can catch the damn ball. Um, so that's, that's what I'm looking for. I don't know who that is. Is, is that more recruiting though? I wonder. I think it's also coaching. No, I, I, I think you can coach these kids up to be that physical presence and to have the want to. Um, and I just, it hasn't happened. Um, and it's not like, you know, and God has been here three years, Frank Latson three years, Justin Ross sure had, you know, took last year off uh, to recover. We're fortunate uh, for him to come back. Um, but, you know, he's not back to his former self. 
And Mike Williams was able to do that after a year off um, with a neck injury. So I just, I think when things go this bad and go this south, somebody has to be held accountable. Um, and I think it's the coaching staff. And I think Dabo is going to have to make some critical decisions um, to solve a lot of these problems. Again, I don't think, I think many of these problems, they're not new, right? They've been covered up by that, yes. skill position players. And that's why I, I bristle a little bit when people say one down year, you know, Larry Williams put a tweet out. He's like, when Tommy Bowden left, if you told everybody that his successor would have 10 straight 10 win seasons, win two natties. And then in the 11th year or in 2021 would be down a little bit. Will you take it? Of course we'd take it, Larry. Thank you. But a lot of these fundamental things have been building over time. Like I, I think it's disingenuous to call it a one year lull right now, Ben. Well, and all the, you know, talent on paper on this team, and we, we still haven't put up over 20 points of regulations over, over an FBS school. Like something's fundamentally broken about this offense and it starts at the top. Yeah. And I think to just accept a down year, like they do happen. Like, I think it'd be all right. Honestly, Ben, if, I mean, maybe it wouldn't be all right. We would still be complaining right now, but <laughs> if there weren't just like, it should be better, right? It should not be this bad. This is not, this is beyond a down year. A down year is like going from a top 15 offense, which I think we were last year to like 35th or 50th or 60th, not 120th. You know what I mean? Right. Like this is beyond the pale. So, yeah. and, and, and we're going to end up with at least five losses this year. Can't uh, disagree with that. I'm not saying we're Bama or that, we're ever going to be able to, as Clemson, live up to what Nick Saban has built there at Bama. But a down year for them is two losses max, right? Yeah. During, during this stretch. Um, and now we're staring the bar- down the barrel of five. And really, I mean, I'm not going to say it's the only thing we have left to play for this season. Um, I sure, surely hope the players don't feel this way, that the only thing they have to left to play for is the South Carolina game. You know, if on you know if you do the math we can technically still make it into the acc championship game but that's not happening nobody should be getting their hopes up Um, we have three games left that will determine that outcome and there's plenty of other stuff that has to break our way including two wake league losses one to us one to unc probably i think nc state also has to lose twice more since we have no we only have two acc losses so they would have the head-to-head with us they also have to lose two more Long story short, like, yeah, NC State would have to lose to, like, Wake and UNC. Wake would have to lose to UNC and Clemson. We'd have to win out. And I I think it's more likely that those other teams drop a game or two than it is Clemson wins out easily. Yeah, we needed NC State to lose to Miami this week. They did. Problem is, we lost to Pitt. I mean, at least they're a 6-1 football team now. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, let's take 30 seconds to talk about Pitt. Um, you know, they've they've kind of been a perennial disappointment. And yes, Kenny Pickett, he's in his fifth year. He's a fifth, he's a four-year starter, fifth year on the team. He's six year. He might be, yeah, like six year in the program, four-year starter, five years of playing. Like he hung in there and gritted out a tough, tough win, made some amazing throws, like got his legs involved, took some hits. Like that dude's tough. Pitt had just enough playmakers, make just enough plays, but Clemson 
like there's no question who the more talented team was, but Pitt was way better coached, way better prepared, executed better. So I guess we got to take our hat off to them. Uh, still just a completely bitter, bitter tasting loss. Yeah, it sucks. And I mean, but to be honest with you, if we're all being honest, honest with ourselves, that loss wasn't surprising. I mean, I went into the game telling y'all, I thought we lose by what, 13 to 21 points or something like that. It was like two to three scores. And yeah. lo, lo and behold, I mean, it wasn't 13, but it was 10. Um, so two scores. Yeah, the pick six was just a backbreaker in that regard, Ben, because we still would not have been able to get off the field and still probably would have lost by three, you know, three to seven in that game. Pitt would have been a little more aggressive down the stretch um, if they didn't have that kind of lead. But yeah, it just wasn't great. I think this also answers the question, can Clemson come from behind, play with the deficit? And I think, yes, the offense opened up a little bit on the one series where we had the ball, uh, but then we turtled a little bit more and ran a three and out um, coming off when we absolutely needed to convert and extend the game. So um, not I, great. <laughs> yeah, no. And I think by that point, you can see this team looks a little bit different when they first come out. Um, you know, there was, you know, reason for optimism after the first few drives of the game, you know, the, the defense was holding them. Uh, we went down and had a score that we had the, the other opportunity. I mean, we had, you know, the, the Justin Ross interception was down there right towards the red zone. And then Will Shipley dropping that ball. Um, and I, I, th- I think part of that too, is with a team like this, that is pretty fragile mentally, I, I think just, you know, from youth and inexperience and just from the fact that, they just have not been good at all this year that when something like, you know, one or two things starts going wrong, it's just a snowball effect. Um, and they beat themselves. Right. Yeah. And- I think that's where the leadership question comes into play. And um, I saw tons of criticism for the Justin Maskell play. He was penalized by the way, Ben, for removing his helmet, not for taunting, not for chirping at the other guy. I didn't like it. I didn't care for him to do any of that, but it, clearly is a moment of frustration and you you can kind of acknowledge or understand where they're coming from with that. Yeah. And, you know, I will say, and this, that was kind of the first signs of, of that we've seen that frustration from the players themselves, but you know, I, what I do want to give Dabo and the coaching staff and the kids credit for is I still think they're coming out and playing hard. Um, I still think they're dedicated. I don't, see that they're letting down or they're necessarily like downtrodden and discouraged all the time. I mean, they, they, they're not, you know, joyous and jubilant because they haven't been winning or we have three losses and the offense hadn't been moving the ball, but you know, I still see the fire out there on defense and you know, some kids that bless their heart are trying on offense, but it's just not coming together. So I think what we need to look forward to for, for the rest of the season is a beat South Carolina. Um, that will make a lot of us feel better <laughs> it's the, it'll be the last game of the season um you know fsu too ben like honestly and I, yeah. I feel the same way about florida state in a couple of reasons number one what happened last year number two they're they're one to two rebounded recruiting classes and building a little bit of coaching momentum away from really challenging clemson and i, I still am of the mind that this is this is a correctable situation at clemson that next season we can regain the grip on a top 10 top five type of finish with the talent we have coming in and coming back 
all that I'm still pretty optimistic about. What you don't want to do though, is allow, like leave the door open for my, like we want Mike Norvell to get fired because he's ineffective. Like the more they can sputter down there in Tallahassee, I don't think they'll get back to the late nineties or early nineties, mid nineties, late nineties, early two thousands, Florida state that we know, but we just should not let them off the mat now when Clemson's prone. Like, I think this is the, I would actually say, Ben, like this is almost the more important win than South Carolina state rivalry and politics and all that stuff aside. You're right. It's an important game. It's Florida state. Um, you know, we enjoyed and get up playing them the last several years, even though they've been bad. Um, we were looking yep. forward to the game last year. That didn't happen. Um, like just remember how you felt in 2013. Yeah. Like, and so, and I, and I agree with all that. I mean, I, I still yeah. think, you know, being from South Carolina myself, um, the, the, the Gamecocks and that game carries a little bit more weight for me, but I think what I was getting back to my point is the thing that I want to continue to see and look forward to this year is I want to see DJ go out there and, you know, play his heart out and be okay with the mistakes. They're going to keep coming, but keep trying to improve on the little things in the areas that you can I want to see the team come out and play with heart. If they lose and play with heart, that's one thing. If they lose because they're giving up, then that that's signs of a much, much bigger issue. I haven't seen the give up this year, and I'm encouraged by that um, because I think it's easy for, you know, 18 to 20-year-old kids who were highly recruited, uh, big star ratings. Um, a lot of them have been on a championship team here, uh, relief is on playoff teams. Um, and you know, they were expected to go back to the playoff this year and it's gotta be a shock, um, to be where they are right now at four and three. And I, listen, I, I have to apologize to the ACC as a whole. Um, at at the beginning of this season, I was lamenting over how boring our schedule was and just, and just like begging for some ACC team to step up and be competitive and, (laughs) That didn't they did. Well. <laughs> yeah, Whether they did or we, we took two steps back and allowed it to be more competitive, like who knows, but I know what you're saying, Ben. And it's like, yeah, don't take for granted, I guess, you know, the 12, 11 win seasons as much. Um, and there's kind of a few things to this. I agree with you. I do think it, it is a vote of confidence or put it in the pro column of the existing coaching staff that despite the two losses to date, we have not really seen the team show very many signs of kind of giving up the giving up hope. Um, I think, yeah, let's, let's see how it continues. Uh, my hope is it's a raucous home environment, like Florida state 12. It's what a three thirty game. It's funny, Ben, we haven't had any noon games this year. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe we do better when we, when Clemson plays early. Well, so the reason is, is because, Clemson sucks, so we're not necessarily getting carried all the time by we've been on the ACC network a lot, and we're still going to be um, we're still their marquee brand, their, right? Their primetime game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Pitt matchup was still big. I mean, Pitt was a ranked team coming into that game. Um, and honestly, I mean, look around college football. There's a lot of other teams that are losing a lot too that haven't been in recent years. It's a weird season, man. It <laughs> yeah. is a weird season. I mean, Illinois beats Penn State in nine overtimes total of 18 points scored in nine overtimes. And that's nuts. Imagine if you held an over ticket in that game and you, you found out it went nine overtimes. You're probably cash cashing that check, spending it left and right in your mind. 
it was a 38 point game, Ben, <laughs> after nine overtimes. It's insane. That's that's, that's insane. Um, <laughs> I mean, granted, yeah. you have to like start going for like it's just two point plays after like the third overtime or something like that, but still. Yeah, neither team could convert those Illinois when they scored. Quarterback <laughs> in overtime as well. Um, yeah, the, the whole reason they made the rule was to prevent games that go too long so players have to play fatigue to get hurt. Lo and behold, it happened. I think uh, they did not consider how lousy the Big Ten is at running red zone plays. Uh, apparently, and now they're certainly likely to have a knee-jerk reaction and change the rules again after one nine-overtime game. I think what they should do is modify the system to start from your own 20 and do it that way. I think you'd see these games end a lot sooner. And that way you actually involve defense. Start at your own 20. You get to run, go the length of the field, give, give yourself a host of timeouts and let the other team run it as well. NFL should do that too. Well, I'm more focused on solving Clemson's problem than the other college football overtime problem, but, um, yeah. Um, well, we should, Ben, while let's maybe pivot a little bit. I mean, you do, your heart does break for the guys who've now been announced to be out for the season with injury. Uh, Matt Bockhorst, he's undergone a lot of injuries in his time at Clemson, has worked really hard to establish himself as a starter. Justin Foster, also now done for the year. Interesting note on Justin Foster, he did only play in four games. He had five tackles this season. Uh, was still feeling the effects of COVID and asthma at the beginning of the year, so didn't play against Georgia. Um, he did play in four games, so he could technically take a medical red shirt. I know Dabo announced that Matt Bockhorst will not choose to pursue, which would probably be his sixth season, uh, but we'll see on Justin Foster. I, for one, would welcome him coming back, You know, again, if he's able to get healthy. What he was able to do in 2018 and 2019 to contribute to this team was huge and to see him go down in 2020 and not really get a shake, a fair shake this season is, is really unfortunate. He's one of my favorite defensive players and Braden Galloway looks like he's also out. I think he had a shoulder separation. Yep. Don't know how severe that is, but he's going to be done for the year. Also got to say, that's probably it for him. We got a pretty deep tight end room at this stage with a lot of youth on that team. So um, it definitely sucks for these guys. They battled as tigers all the guys that are done for the year. It's brutal. Um, hope them really safe recoveries. Yeah. I mean, it's literally injury to insult. Right. Um, and that's, that's been the other tough thing about this year that I, I think it probably has more an impact than we think just because um, just the, the sheer amount of them that have piled up. Um, that's yeah, that's like kinda, ben, you, you don't look at you. any, it's got to hurt your morale too in the locker room. I mean, you start seeing all your yeah. teammates go down. Yeah. Like I, I don't think there's any single injury that you point to and you're like, Oh man, if we had Brian Brzee back, we'd be beating the shit out of NC state the whole game and Pitt, or, you know, any, any key offensive playmaker, you know, I think we all love Brandon Spector, but you know, he, he's probably not turning the tide against these teams, but it, it, that being said, and we have liked what some of the backups have done coming in to spell these guys, you know, and, the guys that have transferred, you know, may not have been completely regretted, but still there's like a cumulative toll on the team of what that does to your depth. And you saw at the end of the pit game, that attrition led to guys needing to play a lot more snap counts and they were pretty gassed by the end. And, you know, Pickett was able to pick up those long first down conversions with his legs 
maybe you don't have that if you got a full host of players that aren't injured or, or you, you do have depth. And this is probably Ben where we should mention the roster management piece and Clemson basically playing with 75 scholarships of FBS level players. Like, you know, there's kind of some, there are depth issues, obviously that injuries can inflict on you and transfers in the season. You can't do much to predict those or do much about that, but going back to what quacking tiger told us last week, you do need to plan for attrition overall. And that can come in the form of signing a bigger recruiting class, using that transfer portal in the spring and the summer when you can still bring guys into the program or, you know, not taking so many walk-ons or turning all those walk-ons into scholarship players. Um, that's what you I mean. Know, yes. Instead, Using instead of, scholarships on walk-ons. That's right. Grabbing a couple of guys, you know, from the portal. Um, roster management is certainly an issue. And I think that's, you know, come to rear its ugly head. Um, again, there's not, you can question dab all you want about the portal right now. He's not going to be able to do anything about it until the off season. Um, but I think that's another one of those evaluations and changes in philosophy or tweaks in philosophy that he's going to have to make. Um, and I mean, well, We'll see what happens, but I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, you know, there was, there's been a handful of guys on the offensive line that aren't playing this year. They thought they were going to be significant contributors and they didn't go down until after you would have gone to the portal. Um, So it's, it's hard for me to, to tell right now. I mean, everybody makes a big deal about how many people Clemson are losing. It's right on par with some of the other big name schools, but the, the, the sheer amount of people that, other schools are bringing in in the portal versus Clemson's zero. Um, that has to be it's, a disadvantage for Clemson. It has to be. Right. I don't, I don't see it, how it isn't. I mean, the, you know, the culture is only good as long as you're winning. <laughs> so, then I think, and is it, yeah. is it fair? Like, is it fair to the other guys who, who were brought in on scholarship to transition these walk ons to scholarship players and eat up a lot of scholarship numbers? when you could be bringing in more competitive guys and this is no way, like no, by no means am I trying to diss on the walk-ons like great, like for them. Um, And obviously we got Hunter Renfro out of it, you know? So, but Hunter Renfro's aren't going to come along. I would argue they'd come to Clemson anyway, Ben, like the Hunter Renfro's would. Now I do want to go back to, you're going to find very few walk-ons that turn into a Hunter Renfro. Absolutely. That hit rate. It's like leading the Raiders in receptions this year, damn near close to it. For sure. Diamond in the rough, hundred percent. There are a couple of, I don't want to call them myths, but maybe misconceptions about Clemson. Look like we've definitely had over time, significantly good injury luck. That said, you could point to the 20 end of the 2019 season against LSU significant defensive attrition in the front seven led to issues. And you could also argue safety, safety depth at that point, definitely in the 2020 season, a lot of attrition issues on defense. Like think back to the Ohio state game, the Notre Dame game, like the guys that got on the field in those games were not ready. Didn't have the experience, all of that, like injury did impact things. I think what's also compounded some of the injury problems has been for better or worse recruiting hit rate on four and five star guys that we brought in that Clemson had a tremendous good fortune on that in the 2014, 15 and 16 seasons. 
And it did start to shift a little bit after that. And look, like I would say we regressed to the mean. It's not like Clemson had any worse of a hit rate on bringing in those blue chip guys. I think as blue chippers became more a part of the classes that you bring in, you're just going to naturally have that type of hit rate where some of them don't work out. But I think that is where you can't find yourself at any other type of numbers disadvantage. Like you are going to have those happen. You're going to be at, you know, country average, national average injury, bad luck. If if that all happens, like you can't get by with seven walk-ons on scholarship and really expect you should expect at that point, one to two, maybe even three position groups to just be flagging out there where you've got, you know, bottom half of the power five level guys, you know, getting meaningful snaps. Okay. So that that's right. That's the poor roster management conversation that's happened for on both sides of the ball, but what's the difference between the defense and offense, the guys that are on the defense, they improve, they get coached up. Um, and when the defense takes a step back, it's not a huge one on the offense, completely different story. And that's where I think it goes back to the coaching. Look at, look at the, the clear difference between your defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball and the coaching staffs there. And Ben, I, I listened to a Mickey Plyler interview with Larry Williams earlier in the year, and he was lamenting how fans had lost their mind. And it was like, well, which one is it? Are you pissed off that they have inexperience at wide receiver and running back coach? Or is it that you got a guy that's been there too long and is too old and, you know, isn't keeping up with the times and Robbie Caldwell, this isn't an age thing. It's, you know, system not adapting and like us just not seeing results. Uh, I want to clarify that. And it's, why isn't it both? It can be both. It is both. It's like both. I'm pissed. I'm, yeah. Like both can be true. I'm sorry. Um, I, I don't, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that hard. Yeah. <sighs> we can't paint everything with a broad brush and we are pissed off and looking for answers. And like, we're calling out what we see as the most obvious ones. Like there's a reason Ben, you and I are not division one. FBS power five elite program football coaches, but you know, we we're just calling them how we see them, I guess. And it, it, it is logical that in a game where there are constraints of these numbers, if you are bringing in less talent than your peers, chances are, they're going to beat you. Like when, when you play things out, when you play these seasons and it, it does make you almost marvel a little bit going back to definitely the championship seasons, but even the, even all the, the streak of, six or seven ACC titles. Like it, I, I think a little bit less Ben. not like, obviously we miss Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, but almost the guys that just came in every day and did their job, like Amari Rogers, like think of the execution level that he gave you that we didn't, we just took for granted how yeah. great he was and all the first downs he got. And like every clip I go back and watch of Amari Rogers now, and I compare it to this season's wide receiver production, my goodness, what a stark contrast. So, and we had dozens of those guys over the years. So I, I, and I know that's possible and I know we can get back there and maybe it is coaching that, that is the, the distinct difference. I think it's a little bit of talent, a little bit of coaching, a little bit of focus, but um, well, it's when you're makes you appreciate it. It's not about like, I mean, obviously like Clemson, the past few years is their average star rating recruits has been right up there at the top five in the country right but it's about the volume of recruits that you bring in and when you bring in a lesser volume then you are going to be weakened more when there's attrition and we're yeah, facing so one the, of the we're facing the same amount of attrition that alabama is maybe more on the injury 
bug this year than than in normal seasons. But as far as the transfer portal goes, it's it's just about the same amount. Yeah, um, Ben. One of the things I wanted to point out, like you brought up, we're not going to see Dabo use the portal. We're not going to see him fire coaches. One of the things, if Dabo doesn't fully want to embrace the portal to bolster that this outlook of this team or the makeup, take a look. Do we start to see the number of offers increase? Like, is he planning or making the right moves to sign a larger class this season? Or we have been getting beaten in recruiting battles. Clemson still offers the lowest number of guys in the country, at least among, you know, elite programs. I think Stanford might even be lower than us overall, but, um, you know, over the next few weeks, I would like to see the number of offers increase from Clemson measurably because we are going out and trying to plan for attrition, perhaps make up for some misses on this team and sign a really large class in the mid twenties. And I wouldn't rule out him going to the portal this off season. I'm just saying like, he's going to say what he's got to say now, right? He doesn't want to, um, you know, speak bad about the guys that are on the team now, it's, especially when he can't go to the portal right now. Like that is something they're going to have to address in the off season. So it's very little use discussing it and arguing about it right now because he's got football games left that he's trying to win. Right. I, I think too, just of, of moves you can see made by this coaching staff to look to the future. There's services out there that track the number of offers Clemson has, like keep an eye on those numbers, compare that to prior years, compare, compare that to the expected size of this class. And let's just see if there's some movement there. And that, you know, his philosophy and the way he's built this program worked prior to the transfer portal, prior to NIL deals, the landscape has completely shifted. It's changed. And if you don't keep up with the Joneses, you're going to fall behind real quick. And lo and behold, like, I'm not going to blame all of this season's issues on, you know, these two things. I think it's a culmination of a lot of things. Um, but that just leaves a lot of stuff for him to, to get ironed out in the offseason. I think it's going to be a busy offseason for him um, trying to figure out how to write this ship because to think that this is just an anomaly um, of a season, I don't think you can make no changes and go into next year thinking you're going to be significantly better. I don't see that happening unless some changes are made both philosophically and coaching staff. Yeah, I guess, Ben, next year, who do we get in the out-of-conference? Is it Notre Dame? Notre Dame. South Carolina. South Carolina. And probably like a Mac school and, or a Sunbelt school and a yeah. uh, SoCon. Like Wofford. And... Um, I'm trying, we're trying to win a game. <laughs> we're trying to win an ACC game. Like, let's not, let's not count our chickens for next yeah. year. Uh, I agree with you. So many other questions we could talk about, like conspiracy theories about DJ transferring and like all this other stuff. Like let's focus on Florida state. Like one thing I did want to call out, Ben, um, they're going to be doing a tribute for Bobby Bowden on Saturday at death Valley, 1230 game, three thirty local time in Clemson. Tommy Bowden's coming back for the first time, like in an official, he's obviously been to Clemson in the last what 13 years, but you know, first time like coming back in a football welcomed capacity. Um, I don't know. I applaud the Tommy Bowden experiment that Clemson had, you know, he, he left Clemson better off than he got it. 
had us in a position much better, you know, obviously football stadium and, you know, facilities in a situation with alumni donors and all that. Obviously we, as fans were disappointed with a lot of the results of those seasons, but um, I'm going to, I'm going to clap for Tony from wherever I'm going to watch this game this weekend. Tommy and I'm going to clap Tony. for bat for, uh, for Tony Elliott. I'm going to clap. I'm going to clap ladder for Tom, for Tommy Bowden. And I, I was going to say, I was going to clap for Bobby Bowden as well. Um, getting that first Bowden bowl win was just made you feel great to be a Clemson fan. Well, so. And people, you know, people like to take jabs at, at Tommy Bowden. Listen, he was better than Ken Hatfield. He was better than Tommy West. Um, he started bringing in higher profile recruits like CJ and, and um, uh, James Davis, other guys. Uh, he won big games, beat Florida State, beat his dad. He was beating South Carolina. Beat things Tennessee's that, ass. Yeah, things that Clemson had struggled with, right, prior to him. What was his South Carolina record, Ben? It was like he lost two games, I think. They were pretty good. Yeah, he didn't lose five in a row <laughs> and he got the facilities like kickstarted. That was a big thing. And now yeah. he plateaued and it was like and when it nine wins, Tommy, it's true. When it yeah. was his time to go, that was his time to go. Um, and I think it was the right move, um, obviously. Uh, but I think Clemson fans should be more than appreciative for what he did for this university and what um, hand he had in kind of turning things around after the downfall, the end of the Danny Ford era. Yeah. And, you know, also, I, I mean, you get all types in the college, college football world, college coaches, um, seem like very good guy as well. And look, man, he, he gave us Dabo. He, he brought Dabo in. he convinced Dabo to take a shot on himself as a football coach. And, um, you know, for that, we're grateful. So, Again, you know, maybe take your hat off to, to him and his his dad is being honored this weekend. Bobby, man, it was tough <laughs> coming up. Like every every moment you thought Clemson was going to break through, there's Florida State. So, um, you know, Bobby ran a hell of a program. I mean, honestly, I'm one of the things I'm lamenting the most out of this season, Ben, is not being able to challenge that Florida State streak of consecutive top 10 finishes. I thought we had a real shot. At being able to challenge that. I forget how many years in a row they did it, like 13 or 15 years, something like that. Um, that's over. Maybe we'll start a new streak, but um, very impressive coach. It wasn't a rivalry for a while. It was a one-sided situation, but eventually we made it so, and um, would sure love to see us beat the Knolls. Well, and I, say I, that. I actually see if you go back, you know, when they were doing the tributes to Bobby, um, you know, around the time of his death, um, some of the former speeches and stuff like that they showed of him. I see a lot of Dabo in him. I saw, uh, saw a lot of Dabo in him. So I think a lot of that, whether it rubbed off through Tommy Bowden or just from his experience uh, being around him, not sure what it was, but you can definitely see some of that um, in him. So, yeah, I think it's great to, to do that tribute this weekend. I love that they're bringing Tommy back. I'm assuming, is Terry going to be there or is he – Dude, Terry was having a hell of a good season. Go uh, everyone, pick, everyone, no, isn't it ULM? Everyone picked ULM to go winless. I think their over under for wins was 0.5 or one or 1.5. They're they might win more games than Clemson. They're, watch out for them against LSU on the 20th of November. LSU's quit. They've given up. Orgeron's just cashing a paycheck. 
and we miss Terry, man. He was a glue guy. <laughs> you keep pinning that, that being the, the uh, thing, the reason. You can't prove it isn't, Ben. So he's at Appalachian State at 1230. So depending on when they do it, he could scoot down to Clemson by halftime. Yeah. Mill it in, you know, go up by, go up by 30 by half up there. At send, Boone. The, send the Clemson clean up there to charter him. Come yeah. on, Gabo. Open up those pockets. Easy. That's right. Well, he can come down for dinner at the very least, like a later dinner. There you go. Um, all right, Ben. Well, Clemson lost to Pitt. I don't know if we mentioned that yet. Um, not a great game. Definitely some some moments to build on from the offensive end. Hats off to the defense. They played four solid quarters. Um, I just want to make a quick special comment about James Skalski. What a warrior. There was a moment where I thought he might have injured a knee uh, that football field at Heinz Field is an abomination. They sh- everyone involved with that, both from the Steelers and Pitt, should be ashamed of themselves for putting that out there. Um, that thing's an injury waiting to happen. Definitely tripped Shipley up two or three times throughout the game. Oh, but tripped one of their guys up at the beginning of the game. It's almost like they planted the grass like an hour before. It's insane. Like how many important football games are played in that stadium and they still can't get it right. But Probably just anyway, Ben Roethlisberger is so fat now. He's just tearing up the field under his own sheer massive weight. Probably true. Um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, just more props to Skowski. This is definitely not the last hurrah that he had envisioned, but uh, we love him. Clemson legend in the making. There's a lot of other guys we should shout out for excellent performances in this one that we haven't. Balen but, uh, I mean, another yeah. Skowski-like, yeah. Yeah, and like, look, it does seem like a few times this year, Spectre's made kind of a, um, let's call it a questionable judgment call play. But like, you could see that one. He didn't know where the ball was. He popped that offensive guy. It was called as targeting on the field, thankfully overturned because it was, I mean, I don't know if it was the best fundamental play, but it, it sure looked rough in real time. But Spectre, he's got a motor. He plays, plays at a high level of intensity. Um, yeah. I don't want to defend his, I don't want to defend that play specifically, but you know, he's definitely giving it his all out there. You I take, it. I take 11 guys on offense, like, like Skalski and inspector. Absolutely. I think we'd be undefeated, Ben. Well, especially cause they're all be six year players. <laughs> be good. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, let's wrap it up there. These feel a little repetitive, but obviously learning a lot as we go. Um, Not all good, but it is what it is. So we will continue to come back to you. We're going to recap the FSU game in a few days. Looking to bring on, this is going to be another two-show week if things line up properly. Uh, Bring in a few other guys from the SCS crew and a special guest beyond that. So stay tuned for that coming on later in the week. We really do want to give a shout out to Quacking Tiger for, you know, coming on last week and talking through this season with us at the midpoint uh, appreciate qt everyone get over to shaking the southland.com they've got a lot of good content coming up over there recapping pit previewing fsu and just check keeping pace on this season so um appreciate that thanks everyone we've, we've definitely upped the review count appreciate everybody getting over there ben we haven't done any bad tweets lately or what is it mean tweets whatever it is um I'm not saying go leave us a mean tweet review, but you know, if you guys do leave us a review, we're happy to read those out on the air. Just get over there to Apple podcasts and leave us that five-star review. And we'll see if we can get that right on the air. 
you know, it was a fun, cute idea at the beginning of the year when things were looking up, but now it's just depressing and I'm, uh, there's just no reason to laugh. There's nothing to laugh about anymore. Got to find the humor in this, Ben. You know, you know what I, how I'm finding, you know, cheer Solace. and joy this year. The Atlanta Braves, baby. Back in the World Series, first time since 1999. And what it made me realize is how much the Braves carried me through Clemson's crappy years in the 90s and early 2000s. It was I mean, almost like they one hand of the baton to the other. Let's yeah, hope that's exactly. not what's happening now, era-wise. No, no, but for one year, I'll take it, you know? That's, yeah, got to enjoy it. Should be a good World Series. I think a lot of people have misguided hate for the Astros. Like, I think it's less about the cheating and more about how they reacted after the cheating that uh, people would love to see them take an L. I get that. Who cares about the cheating? Whatever. Well, I'm pretty sure everybody outside of Houston is cheering for the Braves, so I'll take that. Yeah. There's strength in numbers on that front. At least you're not playing like a beleaguered national favorite team like the Cubs. Like yeah. my Indians were back in 2016. It's a bummer. At least Major League Baseball is allowing the Braves to play in their own ballpark in the World Series, not moving their games to Colorado. That we know about. Not yet. All right, everyone, thanks for tuning in. And as always, go Tigers.